This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too, bud. So before we get started in the topic, we want to ask you to go to iTunes and write a review if you haven't yet. Leave a review for us. It helps spread the word of the podcast. It helps us get some helpful feedback from you. And also spread the word of the podcast. If you know pastors and ministry leaders that might be helped by the work we're doing with this, please pass this on to them. PracticalShepherding.com has a new website. I would encourage you to go there and check it out if you haven't yet. And we have been getting a lot of uh, just questions people, different pastors want us to address. And we got a really unique one and that we have not addressed at all on this program. And we want to be able to tackle that today. And that is a pastor wrote and asked, how he specifically was asking how to get the men of his church to read more, to read and study more for the sake of trying to just mature and grow in Christ. Now, we want to acknowledge that uh, we, we get, generally we're going to talk about this, I think, in most things we're going to say, whether it's men or women in the church, uh, whoever it is in the church, or children, whoever it is, that we want to we want to advocate that, that reading is just a good thing, and it's a means of grace that God gives to help us grow in our walk with Christ. Not just reading the Bible, although that is first and foremost, but reading other things. So we're going to talk about this, uh, and but the things we're going to talk about, we, we will probably focus more on this question that he was asked, and that's the men of the church, which we want to recognize, at least in a lot of the churches that I'm aware of, the burden that a lot of pastors have is there's actually women that read in their churches, but a lot of the men don't. So uh, we're going to kind of, I think this is the burden this particular pastor has. So Jim, how do we, would you kind of set this up just in general, how we want to think about this biblically before we dive into it? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, biblically and, and in a sense really practically here, Brian, uh, I think biblically what we're getting at here is that we're talking about me, a, a means of, of grace, a means of growth. And so the Bible does exhort us; it commands us, like newborn babes, to to long for the for the milk of the word. Now, there's talking about the word, but right. a lot of these books are going to be books that are going to help us to engage with and understand the word. And then we're told to you know grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have an example, certainly, of the Apostle Paul in prison. His last days, what did he want? He wanted he wanted the scrolls and the he parchments. Asked for he, books. he asked yeah. for books. Yeah, we can't um, miss that. In, in order to uh, to engage his mind and, and and to grow, I believe it was going to be a means of growing, a means of getting to know God. Uh, and, and then, practically speaking, is the reality that while there's a lot of garbage out there, there is all there is a treasure trove of literature that would help you to grow. And I think, Brian, Certainly. if I were to ask you about stages of growth in your life, you might tie them perhaps to the reading of a book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, you know, something like that. Uh, uh, for some people, uh, some book on the glory of God, a book about missions, a biography they read right. was, uh, was life-changing. One of our pastors uh, left a, a, a charismatic, kind of almost a cult kind of a thing, because someone gave him John Owen's The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. Wow. And he read it. And then he read Pink Sovereignty of God. And and, and those things just blew his brain wide open and, yeah. and, and changed his life. It wasn't, I mean, it was the word, but it was the word filtered through the words of gifted writers yeah. that brought that about. So I, I think we have, so command to grow. And then this tremendous means available. So it'd be like if the if we said, okay, the Bible says get strong, 
And then we said, all right, well, a great way to do that is lifting weights or running. So it doesn't specifically say lift weights to get strong. But you realize, now this is a way people have done this for years. Right. They've developed ways to do this. Now, what this pastor is saying, Brian, here is that he's recognizing there's either a reluctance or simply there's no practice. They just have never done it. They've never been readers. And I think we're going to that's going to increasingly be the case because of the educational system. Uh, and perhaps they've been in churches where they there's no bookstore, there's no book table, there no books mentioned from the pulpit. So there's never any encouragement to read. But here's a pastor who says, I see a great benefit, but I'm getting kind of stares as I mentioned this from brothers mouth open uh, and, and how do I help them to be interested in that? well and we need to acknowledge we we both know this pastor who wrote this in and we know that he's a he's a reader yeah he, he's he's a pastor and a lot of pastors as we should be readers and studiers not just of God's word but of theology and, and doctrine and, and biography right. and other things but <clears throat> I want to acknowledge I can relate on two personal levels with this question that we need to acknowledge I think at this point number one I didn't learn to read until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I knew how to read, but like, I didn't enjoy reading at all. I, I didn't benefit from reading things right until I, later in life for me. So I can first relate to being a man and and not enjoying reading. Mm-hmm. I had trouble retaining what I read. Right. It was part of a learning disability I had. Yeah. And so I, I want to just acknowledge that as out of sympathy right. for. For this pastor has a desire for the men of the church specifically, but but I could like I would much rather watch the ball game than sit down with a good book. Sure. And then I've 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 had some men in particular. Again, a lot of women in our church historically for our church are, are readers and read a lot. There's women's Bible studies. There's book think clubs going on. Right. That's been a part of the history of our church the whole time. I can relate to this in that the men of our church, uh, there are certain men who weren't students who had trouble reading, and it was hard to get them to read meaty stuff mm-hmm. uh, that would be a th- theologically robust, would would push them, but they'd be able to follow it and understand it. So I, I just want to acknowledge that because I think this is a common problem in a, in a lot of churches. I agree. I think you touched on something, Brian, I think is really important, is that what we're, we don't want to guilt and shame men into this. You don't want to get up and do a tirade about right. you lazy, right. or even like you said, you'd rather watch a ball game than read John Owen. Like, mm, I might rather watch, you know, depends on the day. Uh, I, I get that. And we don't want to shame or guilt a guy into this. We want to encourage him. And so I thought that would be good maybe just to talk through a few ways in which we can encourage um, kind of a culture of reading in our assembly. Mm-hmm. And so I have a few things. Maybe, Brian, you, you want to yeah, go ahead. Introduce? Go first, Jim. Yeah. All right. So uh, I, I, I think we want to, to some degree, start small, uh, and that is, you know, don't, don't make maybe a 16th century or, or, or 17th century Puritan your first thing that you that you use. Don't start with John Owen, in other words. Uh, yeah, unless maybe you modernize. Owen's not actually, I don't think he's as hard as he's, we think, but yes, but maybe <laughs> not Owen. Uh, but maybe, you know, somebody in recent years that writes very clearly and well, I think guys like Kevin DeYoung, uh, men like Sinclair Ferguson, R.C. Sproul, uh, Piper obviously uh, has a lot of people that have found his writings uh, helpful, that are that are simple and clear. Uh, 
Brian, we were just asked to uh, read a book. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it yet. Uh, you get the email last week from Jeff on the book he has on I the have tongue. I have not read it yet. No. All right. Well, I, 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 I had but the I opportunity. I read that, it on yes. the plane So uh, this past weekend. Uh, and and one of the things that struck me is it's it's, it's a very, very readable book. It's, yeah. it's, it's simple language. It's full of illustration. It's the kind of thing if you haven't, if you're not used to reading or so, you know, so start with something that is relatively uh, simple in that. Oh, by the way, can I interrupt you, Jim, yeah. a second on that note? Because you make a good point. Because as we're thinking about answering this question and we're addressing pastors, pastors need to do the work to weed through books that are helpful and not right. to then feed them. That's a great way to lead and shepherd people because you're to your point, you're exactly right. But to ask a regular, just a layman who's struggling to read already to even sort through the books of those authors right. is a lot to ask. A pastor can do that for him. Right. And that's a great way to yeah. serve them. And so what you might do then is do things like in the, in your regular, if you're reading, you're a pastor and you're reading, uh, to mention what you're reading, I, I've had a lot of people pick up books that I've mentioned. Sometimes they're not, they're not all theological books. I might mention a, I've read a lot of biography, read a lot, I've read a lot of World War II, and th- those kinds of books. And I'll mention something that I'm reading, and others will 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 pick that up. There's actually a group of us that uh, will write emails every once in a while. What, what have you read lately? And we'll we'll e- exchange yeah. that information. Yeah. Uh, with each other, so mentioning books uh, in your in your preaching, having a church book table mm-hmm. uh, with carefully selected material uh, on there that that uh, and perhaps even making available. I actually, have a I didn't come up with this, but I have a list of of um, a variety of books, biography, theology, practical. So uh, uh, it graded like one, two, three, four, intermediate readers, beginning readers, uh, the more experienced readers, so that maybe, again, eventually you are reading Stephen Charnock on the existence and attributes of God. Maybe you start with knowing God, but you might need something simpler than that. There's, there was a book years ago called The God You Can Know uh, that was simpler than knowing God and then move to knowing God, and then maybe eventually you're going to read uh, Charnock. I, I just read a book the other day on on the doctrine of what's called the impassibility of God and the question of God's emotivity uh, in, in relation to his immutability. And I thought to myself when I was reading this, I don't, it was good, but I, I, I don't know who I'd recommend this to who's not trained because there's so much philosophical and theological right. language. Which is the best way to discourage any, not just men, anybody in the church to give them more than they can handle. Yeah. And they have to deal with not only the frustrating part of reading that, but also even some, even maybe shame around, man, I, I'm i dumber than I think or, or that he thinks or whatever. Right. we got to be careful, again, as we're trying yeah. to create a culture of reading, which is what this pastor is asking. Start basic. Right. Don't worry about don't worry about having to I watch pastors who come out of seminary and they go to their first church and and they're they're trying to get them to read things that are just beyond where they are they are at this point. Another means we've used, Brian, which I think has been very helpful, is uh, we have taken in our adult Sunday school class on occasion we've worked our way through through a book. Yeah, yeah. And so in some cases you you you're you're reading ahead, you everybody who wants to has a copy of the book. 
You let them know how far you're going to go. But whether or not they actually read it on their own, they are exposed to that book. So right. we've gone through things like Knowing God. We went through J.C. Ryle's Holiness. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. actually did do uh, Owen on the mortification of sin. You are a true Reformed Baptist uh, to say am. that. <laughs> uh, recently, one of our elders did Redemption Accomplished and Applied by Murray. But again, he just tried to do it in a way that was clear and, and simple. We've gone through Spiritual Disciplines by Don Whitney, Respectable Sins by uh, Jerry Bridges, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, a good yeah. old, old, old Puritan book. Yeah. But just taking some of those themes that are really helpful, practical, devotional, accessible, yeah. and, and and then you're reading sections of it. And so somebody who maybe thought, ooh, that maybe be a bit much, they hear those sections and they think, I, I can, yeah, that's, I, 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 yeah. I, I not only understand that, I enjoy that, and then make that available to them through that means. Those are great suggestions. Let me add one more thing that I think is, this is maybe the most practical way for a pastor to get men reading in your church. And that is to go and meet one-on-one -on -one with a man and read a book with him. Mm -hmm. So your yeah, suggestion's great, the, the, doing a class or a, yeah. a, a, no, a small great. group and doing those kind of things. But you know, if you're a pastor wanting men to read in your church, uh, and this is true to anything else, not just reading, like go pick out a man that probably would be your most teachable and humble mm. uh, and receptive to that. Go and meet him where he is, wherever that is, and read a book at that pace and use it as an opportunity to meet every week or every other week and have a couple of men that you're doing that with. And then you potentially empower them to go read that book with somebody else after you've just done that with them. It's a, it's a tool... It's a tool to create not just a reading culture, but a discipleship culture right, in your exactly church. Right. So yep. don't miss how important books can can do that for us. So let maybe just touch on some categories real Go quickly, ahead, yeah. Brian, of, of books. Uh, I think one one of the easiest ways to introduce a guy into something. I think probably two of these are the more are the easiest. One is biography. Yep. Uh, a good solid biography of a, of a Christian, particularly that's not what they call hagiography. That is where they just the, the saint is canonized in such a way that they never, you know, the guy, the pastor who somehow stayed awake for 30 hours at a time, slept you know, two hours a week, converted 5,000 people. The, first of all, that's not true. And then it's just discouraging reading. But a biography that challenges, that encourages, uh, and then I would say something practical. And so some guys, maybe what they really need help with is, they're struggling with pornography, or they're they're really, really struggling with how to be a, a good husband, or wanting to know better how to be a good dad, and and rather than you saying, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna preach ten sermons on this," or "Let's meet together for ten weeks," you say, "You know what? There's actually a really good book on this subject," which may encourage us again as pastors. So, how do we help? Is that we think through? Do you, do you have a book on marriage? Do you have a book on parenting? Do you have a book on purity? Do you have a book on work ethic? Do you have a book on friendships or relationships? Some of those areas where a lot of people are struggling. So a lot of guys, you know, struggle with friendships, and so maybe you think, okay, here's a good, here's a good book uh, on that. Hopefully, again, maybe something 100, 150 pages or those kinds of things out there uh, I, that you can help them with. And I do want to say that in the Christian Living section of publishing now, that there is just 
we're just overrun with books right now. Yeah. And the publishing world in the last really seven to eight years has radically changed. And so one really helpful way for pastors to serve people in their church is to sort through these things. Mm-hmm. So like you said, so you, you're mentioning books in, a ser- in your sermon. You're, you're putting a book table out, say, these are the resources. I would say that is more important than ever for a pastor mm-hmm. because there are so many books now that are flooding the market. Right. And somebody's got to try to sort through all of them. And just like anything else, if somebody who's trying to learn how to read but trying to figure out what to read, it, if that gets frustrating enough, they just they just stop trying. So... Just don't don't miss that that is the opportunity that pastors have with people in our church to sort through these categories and to be able to present them. Yeah. I, I, those are yeah. some really good strong yeah. categories. Introduce people to safe writers and even to know that endorsements matter. You know who's endorsing this or that. If you don't know the author, you know if Benny Hinn's endorsing it or something like that or yeah. you know the yeah, anyway. So you 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 deal with that. I, I think also you're eventually going to get into some. There are some really, there's so many rich theology books, not just from the past, but from the present as well, that somebody might get um, introduced to uh, through that. And again, you say, okay, you, you're you're obviously interested in this. Here's a wonderful book on the doctrine of Christ. Uh, and again, there's some writers who have such a, a wonderful ability to write about uh, some of those things that uh, that that are so just devotionally rich, Spurgeon, Winslow, Ryle are just masters of mm. devotional uh, writings. Brian, you mentioned in prep uh, fiction uh, that there may be the maybe even just as a means of getting a guy going, but there's sometimes there's there there some fiction is given. As some people describe it as the it's the unstringing of the bow. You know, so I read about Packer, and it's interesting. Packer and Sinclair Ferguson, both. And I've read other men too. Love mysteries. Love like Agatha Christie, and mm-hmm. and they have some modern mystery writers that they read. They, that helps them to rejuvenate their mind. Uh, I have found sometimes in reading fiction, and Brian actually mentioned. Uh, I don't know if I have to mail in my mail card here if I say what I read, but I mean. I'm I'm trying to read classics now, uh, at least famous books from the past. So I've read some Dickens lately, but I also read Anne of Green Gables last year, and I'm finishing up Little Women now. And it's interesting in in those kinds of books, there is often uh, biblical matters being dealt with, yeah. th- and in some cases, theology openly addressed uh, in, in those things. And and it, but it's not just you have to justify it and say, well, it has to have that in there. But just the whole human condition, yeah, the recognizing right. of of seeing yourself in the mirror, being caught along. It's often uh, what makes them classics. World. Yeah. That, that, and by the way, there are six daughters represented at this table as we sit together right. between the two of us. So uh, Little Women <laughs> is always appropriate to be able to read if you ask me. Right. But, no, but I think that's <clears throat> I, I think that's helpful. And when we're when we're talking about trying to in, just encourage people uh, to read. That's, I have a confession to make. I don't enjoy fiction a whole lot, but I brought this up to you because I've watched fiction be a means that someone begins to enjoy reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love my preferences. I love history. I love biography. I mean, I, I love biographies. When I'm reading for fun, that's a lot of times what I will 
you know, I will pick up. I spent a lot of years reading like theology and things, mm-hmm. and so I mean, I'll, I'll I'll still do that, but I don't read that stuff as much as as I just enjoy some of these other things. I've tried to read fiction. I just don't as a as a whole. I just enjoy it a whole lot. However, there's some fiction books every Christian should read. Mm-hmm. Every Christian should read The Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Every Christian should read The Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there there's so much there that's symbolic of of theology and the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I want to put that out there because I normally wouldn't mention that I, because I'm not personally in that category. But if you have people in the church, you're trying to encourage them to read and they're just, they just don't want to read. Uh, a lot of times you can put something like a, a, a fiction book that they would enjoy a read. And that's true for kids as well. Uh, final thing I might mention, Brian, is uh, utilizing audio, uh, audio uh, things like Audible and others that... Uh, right. If they're struggling with you know being able to to really be able to read, but they they go for a walk, go for a run, have have a long time that they drive, say yeah, here's a book I think you'd really benefit from. Uh, but you know, but I know you've got time in the in the car. You know, I've got it downloaded. Like to have you you know listen to you know whatever it is and. And that may be a means where I, I do both. I, I have mm-hmm. audiobooks good. going. I, yeah, I, I have ebooks going. I have paper books going. Uh, you know, at any, uh, I, I am more of a reader, so mm-hmm. I have, I have those things always in front of me. But. My last thought is, if you want to get men particularly reading in your church and they don't normally read, if they have little kids, give them books that are good in theology to read with their kids. I read the Chronicles of Narnia for the first time with my children. Oh. Uh, I read the, the Pilgrim's Progress for the first time with my children. Oh. I didn't grow up reading these books, as I think every child should grow up reading these books. And so uh, one of the things that helped me, because I wasn't a reader until I became an adult, was then getting to have these experiences with with my kids. And it actually it it... it motivated me to want to read more things like that. Mm. So that can be a wonderful tool because there's some great children's books out there that are meaty with theology and doctrine and just gospel imagery to take advantage of a father who maybe doesn't read very much to give him a book and say, look, go read this with your kid. And that can be a whole nother level of motivation and can be another way to facilitate a a culture of reading in a church. So, Jim, would you pray uh, for pastors specifically that are trying to do the same thing that this brother is doing who wrote in to us? Yeah. Father in heaven, we so desire uh, the prosperity of the people of God under our care, and we believe that there have been others who have written and expressed truth and ways that are so profitable and that are out there and available uh, to a child of God. And Father, we do pray for those who are resistant and uh, in our flocks or who are maybe even afraid or feel ashamed or whatever the case might be, that whatever tools would be most useful to them in growing in grace, um, that we would encourage, we would know how to be wise encouragers. And so aid us unto that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.